0: Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance, now and always. It's a beautiful thing to sing that together in this afternoon. We are going to look at the life of a saint who went before us, Moses. And uh, if that song was around when he lived, I'm sure he could sing that as well. Moses, we will first read about him, Exodus 2 Verse 1 to 15, and then we will go to Hebrews 11. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1 to 15. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put a child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because, she said, I drew him out of the water. One day, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together, and he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? He answered, who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid, and he thought, surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. You would love to read more about him, but I don't have time. Let's go to Hebrews 11. We will read verse 23 to 27. Hebrews 11. Twenty three to twenty seven. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth Than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, our text is going to be verses 24, 25, and 26. Let's read that again. 24, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward." Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, by way of introduction, I want to read one more verse from the letter of Hebrews, and that is chapter 13. If you go to the next page, if you still have your Bible open, chapter 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. The letter to the Hebrews is all about standing firm in the faith, believing in things that we do not see with our eyes today, but trusting God's promises that there is a future and an inheritance waiting for us. And that is hard, it can be hard to persevere in that faith. And we need the Lord's help to stand firm in that faith. And one of the things that is helpful to us as Christians is that there are others, many others who have gone before us who have lived and died in that faith. It can be very powerful if you have parents or Relatives, or even examples in your life or people you read about even who have, who have persevered in the Christian faith, perhaps difficult lives, and yet they were looking forward, they were looking ahead to the reward, to the promise of God. Now, when it says here, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith, what we want to do this afternoon is look at just one example of that. One such leader, Moses. We are going to consider the outcome of his way of life and we are called then to imitate his faith. Our text in Hebrews 11, if you go back to our text, speaks about the faith of Moses, his faith that helped him, that allowed him to make some remarkable choices In his life, that were very unexpected. So, consider Moses and imitate his faith. That is the call for this afternoon. And our text calls our attention to three aspects his identity, how he saw himself, then also his life choices that he made, and thirdly, his reward that he was expecting. So we begin in verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, I'm sure we all know the history of Moses, remarkable. I think even the children in the church, that's a very well-known story. Unique personal history. Moses was born at a time that the people of Israel were being oppressed severely in Egypt. They were treated like slaves. And you know, you remember that law, the new law that had come into effect, that baby boys, Hebrew baby boys had to be killed. So what Moses' mother did, also by faith, she hid him, the little baby, in a basket among the reeds in the river. And you know how that went? The daughter of Pharaoh, a princess, she came to the river to bathe there. And uh, they saw something, they heard something, and they found a the little baby. And the Lord guided her heart that she would feel sorry for this little crying baby. And Miriam comes in. That led to Moses being given back to his mother to be nursed by his mother She was even paid to do that. Remarkable. For a number of years, Moses grew up with his own parents. And after that, we don't know exactly what age, he was taken by his mom to the royal court to grow up as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, try to imagine the life of this boy growing up as a prince of Egypt a life of luxury servants at hand for anything everything didn't have to do chores servants all around he went to this, the best school in the world the school of the princes in egypt he received the best education the ancient world could offer we read about that in acts 7 if you're interested, read that at home. It says in Acts 7, verse 22, Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. All the wisdom of the Egyptians. Well, that's like today going to an Ivy League university where you have the best professors in the world, you know? Okay. In those days, that was Egypt, the wisdom of the Egyptians. So Moses, picture him as a little boy. Uh, with the best professors at the time, learning to read, to write, history of the world, math, science, geography, astronomy, we were big in astronomy, study of the stars, medicine, religious studies, everything. So Moses had struck gold. His family and his people were being persecuted But he, himself, he had a bright future. He was in a prestigious school, he was the son of a princess. One day, he would marry a beautiful Egyptian girl, maybe even a princess, and he would just enjoy all the privileges of Egyptian royalty. And who knows, if he was a strong man, he he might even become a leading ruler in Egypt. It seems that he was developing in that direction because also in Acts 7, it says that already as a prince in Egypt, he was mighty in words and deeds. But Moses was different, and the Lord did not allow him to forget that he was different. And before I go further, this is something that we need to observe this afternoon, brothers and sisters, Moses was a unique man and you might say he was a hero of faith. It can be encouraging to look at the life of a man like Moses, but it can also be discouraging because you could also say, well, that was Moses. And I'm not like Moses, I cannot be like Moses. But what we need to observe is that it was the Lord who had chosen this boy, for a unique task in the history of salvation, and that the Lord protected him in a remarkable way, guided him, prepared him for his task, kept him in the way that he should walk. It was really against all odds. You know that expression, against all odds. It was against all odds that this young man would make these choices in his life that he would say no to the privileges of being a prince of Egypt and that he would identify with the people of God. So I hope that at the end of the sermon you are not going to say, oh, Moses was a unique man. Wow, what a character. Then I'm not preaching a good sermon this afternoon. What I hope is that we would say Isn't it amazing what the Lord can do in a man's life? Moses' parents taught him about God and about the people of Israel as God's chosen people. As I said, we don't know how old Moses was when he left home and went to the royal court. But they, they told him, Moses, remember, you Or one of us, you're a Hebrew boy. You were circumcised when you were a little boy, a baby. You have received the sign of the covenant. And that is something that stays with you forever. Whatever happens to you, this will not change. And it didn't change. Well, of course, in a physical way, when Moses took off his pants, he would be reminded of the fact But there was more to it. The Lord did not allow Moses to forget that he was different, that he belonged to the people of Israel. He was circumcised, he was different from all the other boys in Egypt. We don't know much about Moses' youth, but you can imagine that it must have been difficult. Imagine Moses as a teenager when you go through that difficult stage in life. He was like a two-culture kid, you might say. He was, he was Hebrew and Egyptian. He was Egyptian, but also Hebrew. Some of us know how that feels. Maybe you made a transition from one culture to another. And no matter how hard you try, in the new culture, you always, always remain a bit of a stranger there. And after a while, even if you were to go back to your old culture, you don't fit into that culture anymore. So, as they say, you become a third culture kid. Children of missionaries have that problem. They don't really fit in anywhere because wherever they go, they are different. Moses was different. But in the case of Moses, there was more involved than just culture it was also a matter of worldview and faith. As I mentioned already, Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and that wisdom included certain religious beliefs. Moses' teachers would have taught him about the gods of Egypt. You can Google that today and find out the names Amun, Ra, Osiris, Anubis, Moses would have had to learn those names and he would have had to learn how that all works in the Egyptian faith. He would have had to participate, participate in, in religious festivals where the Egyptians brought sacrifices to, to their gods believing that their gods would give them their blessings. But Moses always would remember that's not what my parents told me. My parents told me that there is one God creator of heaven and earth and that one God the only true God has chosen our people among all the nations to be his special possession and he has promised to give us our own land the land of Canaan whereas the land where we will live and serve him and that is still a promise that is still going to happen. So Moses knew very well that these two truth claims, the Egyptian one and the Hebrew one, were not compatible. You had to believe either the one or the other. You can just imagine Moses thinking back of those who had gone before him. Maybe, I imagine he would have thought a lot about Joseph who was a ruler in Egypt. But who had given instructions that his bones should be reburied in the promised land once the people of God were going to move there. As I said, it must have been difficult for Moses as he grew up to find his true identity. It must have been tempting at times to just forget about his people, the Hebrews, and just enjoy his status as a prince, Egyptian royalty. But the Lord did not allow Moses to forget it. In Acts 7 then we read, when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. He was 40 years old. I was thinking about that. It's interesting. What, how was he when he was in his 20s and his 30s? It doesn't say, but it says when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. Is this an indication that in his 20s and 30s, maybe he was a bit more removed from his brothers? Does it mean that for many years he enjoyed the royal life in Egypt? And was it only later when he got to his 40s that he started to remember his roots and Reconnect with his people. We don't know enough about Moses to draw such conclusions. But maybe there is a practical application here. It often often happens that it takes time for a man to to figure out um, what is important, to mature in faith. In your 20s, you are all focused on having a nice truck and beautiful girls. And in your 30s, you're all focused on building your career. Maybe there are some young men here this afternoon who are in their 20s and 30s and who are in need of the Lord putting it in their heart to to visit the brothers, so to speak, to find their true identity in Christ and to start focusing on the treasures of the gospel. But let's go back to Moses. What we know is this, when that time came when Moses had to choose by God's grace, by God's strength, he made a very clear choice. Our text says it. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's powerful. That's very clear. He would rather be a son of Israel than a prince of Egypt. He refused, it says. It's not like he he tried to hide that a little bit. No, He, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter Moses would say, don't call me the son of Pharaoh's daughter, call me a son of Israel. That's what I am, that's what I want to be. Now, brothers and sisters, as I mentioned earlier, the word of God reminds us of Moses' way of life with a reason. It is something that we should consider carefully. We should consider, our text says that Moses made this decision by faith. By faith, Moses, and so forth, made that choice. What Moses did, giving up his position as an Egyptian prince, that just doesn't make sense, really, if you look at it from a worldly perspective or a a temporary perspective. Why give up all your royal privileges and identify with a bunch of lowly shepherds I mean, if you can ride a if you can drive a Ferrari, why why ride a donkey? Moses acted in faith. He believed the promise of God that salvation would come to the people of Israel. He took his circumcision seriously, and that is why he said, "Don't call me." The son of Pharaoh's daughter, call me a son of Israel. The defining aspect of my life, my identity, is not that I was adopted into the household of Pharaoh, but that I was adopted as a child of God. That's a powerful message for today. Hebrews 13, imitate their faith. It's powerful. We live in a time that identity is is big, it's a big word. We hear a lot about identity politics, for example, which means that people develop political agendas that are based on identity. For example, your race, or your ethnicity, or your gender, or your sexual orientation. We have a prime minister, as you know, who self-identifies as a feminist, So identity is big, even in our own time. So what about you and me? What is your identity? Now, we often need one, more than one word to say how, who we are. You could mention your ethnic background, your job, your role in the family, your hobby maybe. But brothers and sisters, there must be one aspect that goes beyond All those aspects, and that is in the fact that you have been adopted as a child of God. Most of you here this afternoon have been baptized when you were little. You didn't even know it happened, but your parents and others explained to you what it means. And every time in these days when a baby is baptized in church, you hear these words again. When we are baptized in the name of the Father... God the Father testifies, testifies and seals to us that he establishes an eternal covenant of grace with us. He adopts us for his children and heirs and he promises to provide us with all good and avert all evil and turn it to our benefit. That is what was promised to you when you were baptized and what now is urged that you do is to accept this in faith, to believe this, that you have a father in heaven, that you are his child and that there is an eternal covenant with you, that you have been adopted for his child and heir and that he promises to provide you with all good and avert all evil or turn it to your benefit. Brothers and sisters, young and old, may this be your identity indeed that you belong to Jesus Christ and therefore being a child of God. May you follow Jesus all the days of your life even if that turns out to be costly. And that brings us to the next aspect of our text. Verse 25. Choosing, so Moses chose rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. An amazing choice. Who would have expected this? If you have a choice between enjoying the pleasures of Egypt, even if they are sinful, or being mistreated with the people of God, what are the odds that Moses would not go for the pleasures that were available to him. Think for a moment again of his situation. And maybe it is helpful when you think of the Middle East today. You know, these states like Bahrain and Saudi Arabia and so on. There are lots of kings there and lots of princes. Dozens, hundreds of them. They have lots of money because of the oil. And uh, yeah, it's a life of fast cars, expensive trips. They, uh, everybody of, every prince there seems to have enough money to buy his own plane and whatever. Just say the word, you can buy it. So, ca- cars, planes, trips, beautiful girls, everything. Moses could have lived that kind of life. A life of luxury, a life of, having lots of high flying friends and uh, sleep around as much as he wanted. But the Lord worked in the heart of Moses and made him realize something. Made him realize that these pleasures were fleeting. That's the word that's being used. Fleeting. Yeah, there is some pleasure In a life of partying, sleeping around, getting high on cannabis. But these pleasures, if they are pleasures, are fleeting. They do not last. There are hangovers. They do do not bring lasting happiness. By the grace of God, Moses came to the conviction that true and lasting happiness and joy was to be found in living a life that is pleasing to God. So he made a choice and he started to say no to his Egyptian friends and their lifestyle. So when the other princess invited him to come along, hey Moses, Friday evening, there's a party going on good music beautiful girls moses said thanks but no thanks and that led to mistreatment what's going on with moses has he gone mad and when he was mistreated and persecuted moses accepted it because he lived by faith Now, the readers of Hebrews could very much identify with this. They had suffered similar things. Um, If you read, for example, chapter 10, it says, Sometimes you, so the readers of this letter, you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. Some of them lost possessions. So, the readers of Hebrews, recipients of the letter, they they could totally identify with Moses. And now they are reminded that what they had to go through in order to become Christians is not something unique. God's people can expect this in the world. Moses experienced it. Christ experienced it. Followers of Christ will experience this. And there is another aspect in the text. Verse 26. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Let's consider these words for a moment. What is the reproach of Christ? Well, reproach means... Disapproval, rejection. And the reproach of Christ refers to the fact that our Lord Jesus Christ himself was rejected by his own people. As you know, the Jews handed the Lord over to Pontius Pilate and asked that he should be crucified. Jesus died in disgrace outside the city rejected by his people. The reproach of Christ, we find that expression again. In chapter 13, verse 13. Therefore let us go to him, the Lord, outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. So the reproach of Christ that he endured, we as Christians are now called to bear that same reproach. So the letter to the Hebrews, God's word calls us to bear this grace and rejection as much as the Lord wants us to do that and brings that on us, which we will, can expect when we turn and when we stick to the Christian faith. If I had more time, I would tell you more about the background of the readers, how many of them turned from the Jewish faith to the Christian faith and how they had to, be, to undergo rejection from, from the Jewish people who hated them as a result. Anyway, what our text is saying, brothers and sisters, is that being a child of God in this world may very well cause you to endure disgrace and rejection. Moses had to experience it. He was rejected by the, by the Egyptians. He was persecuted. Early Christians had to experience it. They were rejected by the Jews and also by the Romans sometimes. And we may experience it today. More and more we are seen as bigots, fundamentalists, dangerous people. Just the other day, there well, are so many examples, but just yesterday I saw, I read somewhere that there is now a proposal or there are voices saying that um, the Canadian Army, there are some problems in the Army as you may have heard, sexual abuse and there is a report that says, if you really want to fix the army, we should remove all the Christian chaplains because they, they, they are bigots and, and they bring in a view of women that, that is not good. Okay. We may expect that kind of treatment. We are blamed for everything that goes wrong in the world. The Lord Jesus told his followers, just like the world hated me, it will hate you as well. So as we consider our text, let's do two things. First, whenever we experience rejection because of our Christian faith, let's consider it an honor, just like Moses did. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Let's remember that our Lord Jesus Christ was rejected and executed outside the city. Let's bear the same disgrace that we may be part of his kingdom. And secondly, whenever this happens to us, because of our Christian faith, let's support each other as Christian believers. Our Lord Jesus Christ had to die all alone by himself. We as his followers can bear each other's burdens. So let's keep on loving each other and supporting each other, supporting our Christian organization so that we can persevere in our Christian faith. This brings us to the last aspect of our text. I'll read verse 26 again, once more. Now to the end. Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt for he was looking to the reward. The treasures of Egypt or the reward that God gives us. If you read up on Egyptian history, you will find that Egypt was a rich country. There were treasures in Egypt. And today, if you can go to a museum and and see some of those treasures that they had, it's, it's beautiful, it's remarkable. Egypt was a rich country, but at the same time, You also find out that the wealth, the treasures were not divided equally. They were not shared. There was a top class, the king, the pharaoh, the nobility, and the priests. There was a middle class of tradespeople and merchants, and then there was a bottom class, the slaves. Where was Moses? Moses was at the very top. And if he just stayed where he was, he would inherit the wealth of the Egyptian princess, the princess who had adopted him. If he was clever and smart, which he was, he would expand his riches and his position, and he would have a great life filled with luxury and status. But Moses was a man of faith. He believed God's promise that the people of Israel would inherit the land of Canaan, a land flowing with milk and honey, and that there they would be free from oppression, free to live according to the good laws of God, privileged to experience the blessings of their God. And Moses believed that this was really going to happen. So he made his choice by the grace of God. He chose the reward of God which was still in the future rather than the treasures of Egypt which he was in the position to enjoy today. Remarkable, isn't it? He chose the reward of God that was still in the future over the treasures, all those treasures of Egypt that he was in the position. He could just enjoy them all today. How powerful. God is to work in the life of people. We sometimes think of our children, our grandchildren. Will they be able to, to be steadfast in the faith? I mean, you have to live by faith. You, you don't see what you expect. You don't see what you believe. But then just remember an example like this. How remarkable it was that this boy who grew up with all the Egyptian royalty and the wealth and everything that he made these choices in his life. He chose the reward of God, Canaan, in the future, rather than the treasures of Egypt that were all around him. Brothers and sisters, we have the same choice to make. The one option, of course, is to choose the pleasures of the world. They're all around us. But they are fleeting. And ultimately, they leave you with a bitter Fruit, And the other option is to choose the reward that God promises us. The inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. 1 Peter 1 verse 4. The challenge is that such a choice must be based on faith in God's promises. We cannot see our inheritance yet. We need to trust the promise of the Lord that it is there waiting for us. And in that respect, we are in the very same position as Moses. We're in the same position as that whole cloud of witnesses that Hebrews 11 refers to. All those men and women who were looking forward to the reward that God had promised to those who cling to his promises. Those who cling to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But thankfully we can also say it's also a promise in God's word that even though we as believers may experience suffering and tribulation the Lord does not leave us without joy and encouragement. Yes, it is still to come. The reward is still waiting for us. That glorious inheritance. We don't see it yet. But don't you agree brothers and sisters that the Christian life can already be so beautiful even today And Moses experienced that too. He had a hard life. Also later on when he became the leader of God's people, it wasn't always easy because the people were stubborn and sinful. But it was also a beautiful life. Read Psalm 90, Psalm of Moses. And Moses at the end of his life, he had this beautiful experience that he was allowed to climb Mount Nebo, And he looked over Jordan and the Lord opened the curtains as it were and gave him a preview of the promised land in all its splendor and beauty. When we follow Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, we do not need to be concerned that the Lord will leave us alone in our struggles or that we may still miss the boat somehow. The Lord will be there and he will give us Encouragement, all the encouragement that we need, just as he was with Moses every step of the way. He's going to repeat his promises to us every time you hear the gospel preached. And he's, he's given us now even more. He's given us the, the comforter, the Holy Spirit to confirm his promises to our hearts. So consider Moses and imitate his faith. Be a child of God rather than a prince in the world. Seek the eternal joy of faith rather than the fleeting pleasures of sin. And look for the reward of God rather than the treasures of this world. Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you for raising up servants like Moses. We marvel at the choices he made, his perseverance, his dedication to your people, his steadfastness in his faith. But we realize that Moses was not able to do all this in his own strength. It was you who chose him. It was you who prepared him for his task, protected him, guided him through many difficult trials and tribulations. And therefore, we do not put our trust in Moses or in ourselves, but we put our faith in you and in the one who is greater than Moses, our Lord Jesus Christ. You give us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. That's your promise. And we ask you to do that. We ask you to work in us that same faith, that same vision for the future, that same firmness of conviction, that same dedication to hold fast to the gospel that has been taught to us by many who have been our teachers, our pastors, our parents. And Lord, help us to continue to walk in the way of salvation. We are thankful that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, Moses, Elijah, Samuel, David, many names from the old covenant, the apostles, the church fathers from the history of the church. And we pray that you will help us to lay aside everything that can hinder us in our walk of faith. Help us to run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the reward that was set before him endured the cross and is now seated at your right hand. In his name we pray. Amen.